Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Milo, and you're listening to the Physician Empowerment Podcast. At Physician Empowerment, we're focused on transforming the lives of Canadian physicians through education and finance, practice transformation, wellness, and leadership. After you've listened to today's episode, I encourage you to visit us at physempowerment.ca, that's P-H-Y-S, empowerment.ca, to learn more about the many resources we have to help you make that change in your own life, practice, and personal finances. Now on to today's episode. Well, welcome everyone. So good to have a few people show up on Wednesday evening, Alberta time 6, I guess it's 8 p.m. in Ontario. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm really delighted to have this webinar. And so we hold this on a regular basis once a month. And so we're going to talk about real estate for incorporated physicians, right? So this is uh, not for the faint of heart, I guess. <laughs> and I'm very delighted to welcome everyone. And actually, I'll be turning the table around. Usually I got interviewed by Kevin, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to interview Kevin. So I, I'm Wing, I'm Wing Lim, one of the co-founders of Physician Empowerment. And so I'm turning the table around and interview uh, Kevin about this, this interesting topic. So of course, people have different backgrounds and people invest in different things. And there's a wide spectrum across all four asset classes. And so let's start off by saying that, okay, why real estate, right? There are people who do nothing but index funds. There are people doing nothing but mutual funds. Some do stocks, some do bonds, some do exclusively crypto, bless their heart right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are also people, even within real estate, they flip and there are a lot of things they do. So let's, let's just have a bird eye view over why real estate compared to other asset classes. So Kevin, what's your take? Yeah, let me talk a little bit about my my story about real estate and why it came to me and fairly naturally, but I, I come from a family where for a few generations, there's always been somebody on you know either my mom's side or my dad's side who has invested and bought in real estate. Um, and I saw a lot of wealth created in real estate. So real estate, you know, started with me at a very early age. I kind of got into it by accident, initially having bought our first property as our personal residence um, years ago in medical school and eventually didn't get rid of the place, but uh, rented it out. And so that was years and years ago that I started. And since then, it's been a really, really great journey. Um, But real estate, it's a very powerful, very, very powerful wealth creation tool for a number of reasons. There the, the classic three are the following benefits of real estate. Number one is appreciation. So if you look historically across all different types of real estate, um, you know, in, in buoyant markets in North America, right? So I'm not going to talk about, you know, other parts of the world that are depopulating or aging or, you know, stagnant economies, you know, like the Rust Belt in the United States or things like that, where, you know, real estate can be stagnant or drop. Um, what I'm really re- referring to is a buoyant market, and it doesn't have to be red hot like the GTA or or the lower mainland in Vancouver, um, but real estate appreciates. That's the first pillar of why I, I love real estate and why I invest in it. Number two is real estate, if done properly, generates positive cash flow. So if you are in a buy and hold model where, and it depends on the ownership structure, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but if you're in a buy and hold model and there's a tenant, whether it's a commercial tenant, um, whether you own your own clinic, uh, whether you um, have residential tenants, 
ideally you're generating positive cash flow every month, um, which is income um, that comes into either your, your own pocket personally or corporately. And then lastly, this is the most powerful of the three is mortgage pay down, right? So when you acquire that property in year one, um, and this is a very simple example, when you acquire that property in year one, you're using a down payment of 20% or less, typically on residential real estate. And then you flash forward to year 26 when the, when the property is paid off, when the mortgage is cleared, that property has appreciated in value three times, maybe four times what you paid for. But what you didn't, you didn't pay with all of your own money. You used a loan from the bank. You used a mortgage to acquire 80% of that property in year one. So somebody else, the whole 25 years that you held the property, paid that mortgage. And that is your, that is your tenant, whether it's a commercial tenant or um, practice colleagues or a residential tenant. And this is incredibly powerful. And at, we've got our conference coming up. So for anybody that's listening to this or joining us on the webinar tonight, our conference is coming up May 6th and 7th in Toronto. We do it every year. It's an outstanding event where we talk about wealth creation for Canadian physicians. And we're going to be focusing on real estate this year because we keep getting more and more interest. But we're going to break this down in a lot more detail in, in May. But just put that in the back of your head that the, the wealth creation through real estate very passively is this mortgage pay down and appreciation. And it's stunning what the annualized returns are on that on very, very basic, you know, entry level real estate investing, right? Like you don't need to be out there as some aggressive high level investor who's, you know, buying up, um, you know, shiny office towers It you can make a lot of money in real estate in in lower class properties, for sure. So Wing, do you want to take us to the next question then? Sorry, I, you, you can tell I just keep going and going because I love it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay, so, okay, so there's, advantages of the real estate so well were there advantage of others so how does that compare to stocks bonds all those others yeah i mean funds? you know we we teach at our events we we talk about investing in the markets and for those of you that li have listened to our speaker dimitri he's phenomenal right dimitri has been very active in the stock markets very active in crypto and i always say there are many many ways to make um to create wealth as a physician we have many advantages and many opportunities. It's really about finding what works for us. Um, one of the things I love about real estate is number one, to allude to my point earlier, is um, you get access to credit for it, right? So you can't walk into the bank and say, listen, I'm really good at buying stocks and bonds. I'm really good at investing in crypto. Give me a mortgage for a million dollars and watch me grow it at 15% annualized return. The bank's just gonna laugh you out the door. Right, they don't do that. But if you say, "I found a property, I want to acquire it, I need a mortgage," the bank goes, "Sure," right? Because the banks inherently recognize the stability and the long-term growth that real estate offers. They do not offer the same for the markets. And I think you know we're in a great year to prove that point. And not that you can't make money in a down market. There are going to be many people that make a lot of money in a down stock market, but it's tricky. Real estate, for me, at least, I love because it's relatively simple. You put your money in as that down payment, you put a tenant in, and over the course of years, that mortgage is rapidly paid down, the property accrues in value, and you get cash flow. And what I'm really getting at is peace of mind. One of the central things we teach at Physician Empowerment is that when it comes to investing, 
your investment portfolio, your strategy should reflect your life, right? So we have stressful jobs, we work long hours. So I really don't want to be up at night, wondering what the markets are doing, wondering what crypto is doing, wonder if my Tesla stock is sinking, not that I don't know Tesla stock, <laughs> not one bit of it. But just to give you a sense of like, what's going on in the markets, and appreciating that that can take a mental toll, whereas real estate, there's a lot more stability there, right? Like, you know, it's trending upward, you know, that every month, even in a down market, those mortgages are getting paid down. Um, and so it, it offers a lot of peace of mind. And again, at the conference, I'll show you the math on this, where you can sit down and say, well, if I invest X amount in real estate, and if it grows at a certain very conservative rate, then I'm going to be worth millions of dollars in 20 years time. And it's as simple as that, right? So it, it really brings a lot of peace of mind. So that's personally why I love real estate is, it, and it's a very tangible asset, right? It's not an electronic signal on the internet like crypto. You can drive, I can go look at the properties I've invested in or the properties I own directly. So I hope that kind of answers the questions. I mean, there's a lot here, uh, Wayne. Yeah, so maybe hmm, we, let's let's go one step further, <clears throat> right? Because the topic is for incorporated physicians. So does Absolutely. it matter whether we're incorporated? Let's talk about incorporated and let's talk about those that are not incorporated. Yeah, so yeah, so real estate, as an incorporated physician, there are a few advantages. And one of the big ones is you can retain earnings within your professional corporation. You pay corporate tax on that, right? You know, like we all do. But then you have that extra $100,000, let's say sitting in your professional corporation, you can then transfer to a holding corporation and invest in real estate. And whether that's direct ownership or a limited partnership or a syndicated deal or something like along those lines is it's a very flexible, relatively easy thing to do. Setting up a holding corporation is, is very straightforward. Your accountant and um, any average kind of lawyer can, can easily set one up. Um, and then it can be funded with shareholder loans from your professional corporation. Um, so in that regards, there's a huge tax advantage, at least to start out with when you're acquiring real estate, because you're not forced to take the money out of the corporation. Because in Ontario, as an example, the top marginal tax rate, I believe, is 53.53%. So if you had that extra $100,000 retained in your corporation, and you wanted to take it out and buy a rental property, let's say, well, you're going to be paying that, most of that is probably going to be in the top marginal tax bracket, which is going to leave you with only $43,000 uh, no, $47,000, pardon me, I'm very bad at math, especially public math, $47,000-ish to invest, right? Whereas if you held that corporately, you'd be probably sitting closer to 90000 So that's a big spread. So you can see, like, if you're trying to build that portfolio, it can grow quite rapidly using retained corporate earnings. And again, we're going to be diving into this a lot more at our conference. Yeah, exactly. So... Yes, so, so I, I like what uh, the big gurus like the Robert Kiyosaki's of the world saying that I, I love real estate because uh, I borrow the money for free, right? Everything I leverage and and he brags about owing a billion dollars in debt, leveraging, getting high. Yeah, people's yeah. Money, I, I put some billion. caution there, right? Mm -hmm. um, I put some caution there because there are risks to that, right? To over leveraging in real estate. And, you know, I, you know, <laughs> The truth is, and again, we can show you this at June just as a side thing, but in some cases, you can actually create an infinite return for yourself on real estate um, by using like totally other people's money. I Again, I caution because 
um, there is there is some risk associated with that. Um, and we can explain what that looks like. Um, oh, can I step back and just talk about personal real estate personally? Because I own a little mm -hmm. bit personally. And that was also an interesting journey. So, you know, um, converting one of my, you know, um, personal homes that I previously lived in into uh, a rental property uh, because I couldn't sell it in a down market um, with rising interest rates. So I kept it. And that was kind of an interesting journey. And it, it works out all right in terms of the same things apply. You have annual appreciation, you have mortgage pay down. But the issue is, is that um, whatever cash flow you're making, whatever profit you're making on that place, you're paying top marginal income tax rates. So that's one of the that's one of the big ones that I struggle with is that whatever money you're going to make off of your personal holdings, you're paying, you know, probably going to be paying at the top marginal income tax rate. So that's a bit of a struggle. And then the other downside is, is whatever you own personally is because it's not your personal residence, you don't get the capital gains exemption. So if you go to sell the property and let's say it gained $500,000 in value over the 20 years that you owned it, um, you're going to pay capital gains, right, on that. Um, so again, it's sort of, it's not that great. And then there are some, you know, questions as to whether you're exposed to more liability. But this is all direct ownership of real estate. Wing, you probably want to get to other types of real estate investing. Yeah, but maybe we just pause. Sure. A bit. So what, what what about those who are not in corporate? That, yeah. you know, they don't have a PC. What do they do? Should they give up? <laughs> No, no, no. There, there are many ways to invest. I mean, you can you can run it as a proprietorship. Absolutely. Again, I would recommend very robust insurance on that and definitely sit down and talk with your accountant, talk to your lawyer before doing anything in real estate in general, but especially, you know, as operating as a proprietorship. But you can still invest in real estate deals, you know, as, a, as an individual. So most physicians are what we call an accredited investor, um, which allows them to step into private equity deals in real estate that the average person can't access. And do you want to just explain what an accredited investor is for a minute, Wing? Sure. Um, accredited investor, well, there's a very technical definition, but basically from what I can gather as a layman, yeah. is you need to own a million dollars worth of, of free property, uh, have $5 million of cash, uh, sorry, $1 million cash, $5 million of of uh, properties and everything you hold, uh, liquid and illiquid, but also for most people it's $200,000 a year of income for the last two years, well, $300,000 a year of income uh, counting the spouse. So most physicians qualify. Yeah, yeah. So again, there are ways to, to invest uh, personally um, as well, even if you um, are not incorporated. But again, so you know, yeah, sorry, continuing. So, so we step into it already. So, so we're ahead of ourselves. So, yeah. So then, what are the different ways to own real estate? Yeah, like, yeah. So let me talk about, about my journey a little bit mm -hmm. um, and why I'm changing, growing, maturing as as a real estate investor. And for anybody that follows Yat and Chata's podcast, I was on there talking about my own real estate adventures and lumbar puncture night, which was pretty memorable. Um, you know, people still mention <laughs> that when I bump into them. Uh, and I won't go through that that war story again. But the bottom line is, like, I started out investing in real estate, buying doors, right? And that's sort of the the colloquial term we use for acquiring um, small single family dwellings, whether it's a an individual condo unit or apartment unit or an individual home or you know a duplex or fourplex. But what I'm getting at is something small scale that I own myself um, as a as an incorporated physician, and then go and 
effectively, you know, manage it myself. And even with a property manager, it ends up being work. It's always work, right? And I think this is one of the things that turns people off of real estate, right? And so I bought enough doors that I got to a point where I had, you know, quite a few doors, if I can be honest with you, um, that was keeping me pretty busy, you know, in terms of phone calls about some small issue, big issues, vacancies, paperwork, bookkeeping, accounting, there was a lot, a lot there um, that added up. And I, I, you know, I've got property management on most of my doors. uh, And it's excellent. But in the end, somebody's still going to phone you about things, even if it's not you in the middle of the night dealing with that broken toilet. Um, Which after a while, when you realize, like, if I keep going down this journey and keep just buying more doors, I'm just going to get busier and busier until I bought myself another job right? And I'm busy enough with emergency medicine and raising my kids that I really don't want to take away from my personal time. And to go back to echo that point earlier, this is about building a better life, right? Whatever we invest in, whether it's the markets, crypto, crypto, right? This is not the year. Um, You know, whatever it is, you know, it should be buying us peace of mind, right? So there comes this kind of tipping point and every physician's different. I mean, some people, you know, I'm sure there are physicians out there with like 50 doors and love it, right? Um, I'm nowhere close to that um, and already feel busy enough with what I've got, you know, realizing that, you know, as somebody who was initially very hands-on, like, you know, I go paint walls with my kids because I want to teach them a little bit about the business. You know, I can swap out appliances like nobody's business. You know, maybe it's all that practice on central lines and, you know, airway equipment. It just gives me these handy skills, you know, swapping out appliances. I don't mind it, but I realize it's time consuming as I get busier I'm going to struggle with this, right? And even if you have to find a contractor for a lot of this, it becomes difficult. So now this year for the first time is I I finally stepped into private equity, right? I realized that I didn't want to keep scaling up, getting more and more doors, more and more mortgages, and more and more phone calls. Even if I am making money and loving that part of it, there comes this kind of tipping point where as a busy physician, I say to myself, you know, how how much of my time, even personal time, can I deploy here? And so that's where I stepped into private equity. And that's where I really think most physicians are going to be happiest, right? Because I come from a background where I grew up enough around this stuff to understand it. I'm pretty handy. But at some point, if you're you're busy, you may just be, you know, as a physician, you may be much more interested in private equity. And so physicians make a lot of money in this space when it's done properly. And what private equity is, is you're not on the hook for mortgages or personal guarantees in many cases. What you're really doing is, you're lending money into a project where somebody else carries the credit risk um, and somebody else is in charge of developing the property and managing the property. And I did that for the first time this year and I'm very excited and very happy about you know that that new phase in my real estate journey as I mature from being kind of the hustler that's doing it all myself to now stepping away and investing at a higher level with people who are professionals in this space, right? People who are experts because that's what we do in practice, right? When we're in over our head, it's time to consult. The same sort of thing goes, you know, in our financial journey, whether that's finding an excellent portfolio manager, whether that's finding a great accountant, whether that's finding a great tax lawyer, um, or somebody to help us with insurance, or again, property management or, you know, deals. um, At some point, we have to let go. And that's one of the things I struggled with as a physician was that instinct, that impulse to micromanage. But as you can step away from that, you could make a lot of money and be happier and enjoy more peace of mind, which I think I, mean, I think that's the, the triple win there. So, so keep right going, on. Wayne. Right on. So 
yeah, so there are different things. You, know, you talk about actively managing, changing on toilet all the way to private equity, you're totally hands off. Yeah. So it, it's so for those of us who are brand new at this, how does a busy physician start? Yeah, I, I mean, this is always the thing. And so we talked about this earlier in this month's small group. So we lead a masterclass and Wing actually took us through a great one called Navigating the Asset Jungle. And one of the key pieces of wisdom that I'm going to say before you even get started is actually start, right? I, I encounter physicians all the time who talk year after year about investing in real estate and never pull the trigger. Some of whom I followed for years. I have physicians that say, I'm going to get into the market, right? Whether it's, you know, like the public markets, you know, stocks and bonds year after year. And you find out that they have six, even seven figures worth of cash stacked in their professional corporation because they are too scared to finally step out and put it someplace, knowing that your cash is dropping in our current inflationary environment by 10% a year. So if you have you know $800,000 in cash stacked up in your professional corp and you're too scared to invest it in real estate or the markets or whatever, you're, you just lost 80,000 this year in purchasing power. Right. So the first piece of wisdom in this space is, is having the courage to actually do it. Right. So saying to yourself, I'm never going to know everything, but at some point I have to step out there and do that. And you know what? That's not that different than our clinical careers. Right. I mean, I remember my first few weeks in practice being like, oh my goodness, there is a lot here, but it's on me because I'm now an independent physician. I mean, we have to carry that same mindset of being able to step out knowing that we don't have all of the answers knowing that there's always going to be some risk. So the first you know, piece of wisdom is do something, number one. Uh, the next piece is realize that you cannot fully eliminate risk. And that goes across any asset, be it you know, crypto, the markets, real estate, whatever you want to buy, there is no zero risk here. So, so be willing to accept some risk in real estate, create that wealth mindset, which is optimistic, informed ability to manage risk, right? We're not talking about blind gambling. And we're not talking about blind trust of the professionals you're working with. We're talking about, you know, understanding risk, right? And being able to accept it and put a little bit of money online. The next so big let, one. So, so, yeah. Sorry, let me interject. Put yeah. a plug in. Uh, so the masterclass that we're, we're doing mm -hmm. next month. December. Uh, yep. December, we're going to do the risk jungle. Navigating the risk jungle. Ooh, so we're good, 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 good. I love that. it. That one took me years to learn and I'm still learning it. Um, yeah. For anybody that's on this webinar, drop us a line, email us, because we would love to have you uh, join us just to drop in and see what a single um, what a single uh, web, uh, webinar or masterclass with Wing looks like, um, because they're outstanding. But yeah, we're going to talk about risk. So let me move to the next thing here in what I recommend is first steps. And this is start reading, start learning about real estate, so that you understand how it works. So you understand the terminology and you can begin to talk the language a little bit. And again, you don't have to be the expert here. You don't have to be the most knowledgeable person in the room, but just having some awareness goes a long way. The other thing that I anchor to through the good times and the bad with real estate is those three truths. Cash flow, I want to call them three truths, three powers of real estate, cash flow, appreciation, and mortgage pay down. The reason why is because there are ups and downs in real estate. I've been through Alberta's real estate market with some downs over the years. And you have to just open up those numbers and go, well, I'm, I'm not gaining through appreciation this year, but I'm still making cash flow. 
and my mortgages are still getting paid down, right? Because when you when you get to those core realizations about real estate, it allows you to hold the road, right? You know, and people in the in the stock market plummeting like it is will say historically the stock market goes up. I'll ride out this rough patch, even though it's an eye watering loss in a given year, um, which is why I have very little in the public markets, and I have no answer for crypto, none whatsoever. Don't. How about that? Sorry to be so blunt. Yeah, crypto keeps coming up, but it's just this is the month that FTX went went under. So anyhow, you know, just going on about like educating yourself in risk, educating yourself in the basic terminology of real estate, and having a commitment to say, okay, I'm not going to freak out here. I am going to put some money into a project, and you can start small, right? You don't have do not do not go throw a million bucks into a deal, right? As your first deal. Like, don't do not do that. There's no rush. There's always new real estate deals coming up, always new opportunities coming up. So go cautiously, go slowly and get comfortable with what you're doing. And then once you see those returns coming in, you can start saying, okay, now I get it. I'm okay with this. And you can gradually put more and more in. And that's how I did it. And 15 years on, I couldn't be happier. Right on. Yeah. Cool. So maybe Kevin can share with us some pitfalls and lessons learned that you yeah, wish you would absolutely. Learned. Yeah. So number one, I wish I hadn't worried so much. I spent so many years, you know, investing in real estate over the years, and I worried. It's kind of like raising kids. You know, you sit there and you worry about them day to day, and then you look back and you're like, "What did I worry about? They're actually all right." And so number one is, I, I wish I hadn't worried so much over the last ten years when I've really been much more active in real estate. I wish I had scaled up sooner and gone into private equity sooner. I spent far too many years of my life managing my own doors and chasing smaller returns because I wanted to be able to micromanage it. Uh, and I wish I had stepped into private equity five years ago and gotten involved in bigger projects. Um, the other big one is don't over leverage really don't over leverage. The banks are going to give you a lot of money if you go out and ask for it. But that doesn't mean you take all of it because you're on the hook for that. And in the end, like real estate is a like there, you know, you make a lot of money leveraging. I'm not saying not to, but I'm just saying to be mindful that in the end you've signed personal guarantees on all of those mortgages. And so don't overdo it. Go cautiously, go slowly. And, and build within your risk tolerance, right? But don't be scared, right? Like I got, you know, there are physicians out there that have $2 million worth of personal mortgage and it's on them to show up every month with a, with a mortgage payment. Whereas if you had $2 million in, you know, rental properties, somebody else is coming up with those mortgage payments every month. And whatever you have to subsidize, if it's a slow patch or a slow month, is a tax write-off, right? So it's a huge, huge advantage to being in debt corporately with rental properties versus personally. And so I would say, compare those two. What does a million dollars in, in mortgage, personal mortgage debt look like versus a million dollars in rental property debt? And realize that personal mortgage debt is far riskier than rental property debt, okay? And then the other you know, um, big one that I you know, would encourage people to do is, is not get too caught up in faddish returns or all the glitz and the glamour because there's a lot out there, right? As an accredited investor, you're going, to, you're going to have a lot of people potentially approaching you, looking to invest with you, but you have to be mindful 
who you invest with. And Wing, you can speak to that because you've had more experience in, in private equity, you know, as a real estate developer, right? But um, there's a lot of caution, right? The people, you know, in the finance and, and uh, real estate industries do not hold the same fiduciary responsibilities that we hold towards our patients. So, so don't go into it with rose-colored glasses. Be very aware of who you're who you're working with and who you're investing alongside. I would say it was very important if you're looking at um, going into private equity. Right on. So those are really good pieces of jam that that you offered, Kevin. So while we we're, we're going to wrap up, so we, we intentionally don't want to make this a, a long drawn out thing because we, if you want to do more technicality, come join our masterclass. We'll do the deep dive. We're doing whole year's worth of well building strategies and real estate. And June will be a big, big event in Toronto, face to face, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to plan for some, some nice trips <laughs> down the road. This is a further down project. Oh, we're going to yeah, do. yeah, exactly. Lots of great, lots of great opportunities to come together. But yeah, we're going to be talking about this in a lot more depth in May in Toronto at our national conference. So again, that's May sixth and seventh. We're going to be covering this. Um, we are just in the process of moving to new email. So this is my personal email that I just send out to our, our webinar participants, but reach me personally if you have questions or you want to learn more, because this is a, there, there are a lot of great opportunities in real estate. And in my opinion, every physician should be invested in real estate. Not all of it, right? Like you can be diversified if you want, but I'd say every physician should be looking at real estate because there are just so many advantages as an incorporated professional to invest in this space and so much return to be had and peace of mind. Like I said, real estate has been such a positive thing in my life. Yep. All right. Good. Super. So thank you. I want to thank Kevin for sharing yeah. your wisdom and thanks. I want to thank everybody for joining. Thank you so much for listening to the Physician Empowerment Podcast. If you're ready to take those next steps in transforming your practice, finances, or personal well-being, then come and join us at physeempowerment.ca, P-H-Y-S, empowerment.ca to learn more about how we can help. If today's episode resonated with you, I'd really appreciate it if you would share our podcast with a colleague or friend and head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and review. If you've got feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episode topics, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to join us and be interviewed and share some of your story, we'd absolutely love that as well. Please send me an email at kmilo at fizzempowerment.ca. Thank you again for listening.